The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome to it. Seven minutes after seven, Wednesday night. We are here finally doing our thing. Employment law is what we do best over the next hour. Uh, Sam Fury to Markin, founding partner Lior is, of course, uh, of the law firm, the most positively reviewed employment law firm across this fine land of ours from coast to coast to coast. So you can check that out anytime you would like. Look at that. Phone line's already open for your questions. And, uh, Bring them on, 416-870-6400, a live call-in show on Wednesday. You're the reason why we do it. You have questions. doesn't matter what they are. Don't be bashful. There's no dumb questions, just answers you need, and they will help you where you spend the most time of your entire life. That would be in the workplace, so you got to know what you're talking about. you got to know the, lights, the uh, rights are robust in your favor, but you won't find out uh, answers to your questions unless you call or email or let us know. 416-870-6400. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the way to call through for that. Just going to get some calls lined up here. And anytime at all, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Wonderful, wonderful website. Going to get to some of the uh, more recent questions you get asked on a daily basis here, Lior, from clients about termination and severance and all those good things. But uh, what was uh, what was happening for you this week? Well, John, I I don't know that I could have said it better than you just did in terms of why it's important to call this show, why it's important to find out about your workplace rights and the fact that there are solutions, there are answers, there are things you could do to deal with those problems that you may face on your job. Uh, We wouldn't be doing this uh, show if there were no solutions. There are solutions. We talk every day on this show. I talk with people every day at the office about rights. So please don't be bashful. If you're not having the best week, your boss did something to you and put you in a difficult situation, and you're wondering, well, I got to respond somehow, but what do I say? What do I do? Don't. Get off that keyboard. Don't respond. Not until you call us. Let's talk about it. Let's make sure you do that correctly. Any workplace issue you have, this is the time and the place. Of course, as John said, option B, just as easy. You can reach out to me in the office by phone, by email, and throughout the show, we'll give you that uh, contact information numerous times. But to get going, let me tell you about some situations that came across my desk. Spoke uh, earlier this week with an individual who had been off uh, work uh, earlier, uh, or I should say late last year because of a medical reason. Uh, was off for a number of months and came back to work. Uh, despite COVID, no problem. His employer took him back. But right before he came back to work, his employer said, well, if we're going to take you back to work, we need you to sign this new employment agreement. So uh, she signed the employment agreement, didn't think anything of it. Everything kind of seemed kosher to him when he looked at it, signed it, continued working. Fast forward three months after that, company says, got to let you go. Sorry. And by the way, You know that agreement that you signed three months ago, that employment agreement? That agreement limits your severance. Mm -hmm. So now we don't have to pay you a lot of severance. We have to pay you very little because of what you signed three months ago. So he called me and he wanted to know, is that the case? So first of all, obviously, he he should have not signed that agreement. The company did Mm -hmm. not have a right to require him to sign that agreement. A very important lesson there for all our listeners. But he did. The thing is this. They did not give him anything in return for signing that agreement. They just said, put your signature on this piece of paper and you're gone. Well, if you're going to sign a new employment agreement, you have to be given something in return for signing. 
signing bonus, a pay increase, something. They didn't. Therefore, that agreement is not enforceable. Therefore, there are no terms limiting his severance, and he can get full severance. And John, the reason why that's so important, for him, that's the difference between getting eight weeks severance and 12 months severance. Jeez. Massive, massive, massive difference. But there are important lessons here. Number one, don't sign a new employment agreement. If your employer wants you to sign one, it is usually bad news. It's not a good thing. Number two, of course, if you ended up at some point signing a new employment agreement, if you did not get anything in return for signing it, you may not be bound by it. You may have rights that allow you to get out of it. So important, before you make any decisions, give me a call. Let's talk about it. Let's make sure we do things correctly. Yeah, reaching out, by the way, help at employmentlawyer.ca and 1-855-821-5900. But here and now on this show, over the next uh, 45 minutes or so, 416-870-6400. Dave, thanks for uh, standing by for a couple minutes, fella. Good evening. How are you? I'm not bad. Good evening to you, gentlemen. Listen, I've uh, used uh, Mr. Uh, how do you pronounce your last name slowly? <laughs> Samfiru. Samfiru. Okay. I, I dealt with your office back, uh, how many, I forget, about six years ago, and we went to court, and of course, uh, I uh, I got a lot more money than uh, uh, if I would have tried to do it on myself, or I didn't even know if I could. But anyway, it all turns out good. Last week, I was listening to the program on, on here, and uh, I was thinking some of the cases, what would happen if you knew you had money owing to you, and you just basically kind of went into the uh, the boss's office and told him, hey, listen, you owe me money, you're no good for nothing, so-and-so. If you don't give it, the next time you see me, we'll be in court. Good or bad? <laughs> well, it's not effective. Uh, it's not that it's good or bad. It's just not effective. You're, you're, you know, I don't know that that's going to work. And in fact, if you go and call your boss, you're, you, you owe so-and-so, your piece of this or piece of that, you're probably going to lose your job. That's you know a form of, of misconduct. So I would never recommend that. I, I also don't recommend you, you try to sue or recommend suing your employer or, or to tell your employer you're going to sue them. It's just not effective. It doesn't lend to a good work relationship. If you are owed money, oftentimes all that's going to be, especially if you're working there, all that's going to be needed is a letter from me. A letter from me say, listen, you owe this money. Let's do this the nice way. And in most cases, we can resolve it. So, no, I, Dave, I would recommend against walking into your boss's office, calling him names, and threatening him with a lawsuit. I just don't think that's going to achieve what you want it to achieve. This is, this is after you've been, let's say, let go and, you know, your old money, but they don't want to pay and, you know, that kind of deal. But anyway, thanks anyway. You helped me out there a few years ago, and, uh, and life goes on. All right, thanks, Dave. Thanks. Appreciate it. Glad it turned out uh, turned out well for you. So there you go. Uh, just like Dave, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Do that. Make a phone call. Ask your questions. Uh, the other matter you had uh, you had going on, pal. What was it? Yeah, I spoke uh, with a gentleman uh, and at his workplace. Every day when he came in, he had to fill out a form uh, that uh, simply said, you know, did, did you travel anywhere? Were you uh, in contact with anyone that has COVID nineteen? Perfectly reasonable mm -hmm. form that he had to fill out, you know, essentially checks no, 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 goes into work and that's fine. So sure enough, goes in, checks in no on all the boxes, starts working. That same night, uh, his wife, who had not been uh, feeling very well, uh, gets feeling worse. They go get her a COVID test uh, and they find out a day or so later that she unfortunately has COVID-19. She's okay. She's fine. She's recovered. So it's all good. 
But his employer, of course, he tells his employer that and he says, well, wait a second. When you came into work, you knew your wife was not feeling well, yet you still said you didn't have any contact with someone with COVID-19. That's irresponsible. You put everyone at risk. You're out of here. We're letting you go for cause. And he called me, of course, and he wanted to know, you know, what gives, is this cause, is this right, is he owed something? Now, obviously, John, this is a difficult situation. This is a situation that up until recently, we, we've never had to deal with. But yeah. here's how I look at this. Uh, if he's being asked, were you, uh, you know, were you, were you exposed to someone with COVID-19? At the time he filled the form, he wasn't. His wife wasn't feeling well. There's a thousand and one reasons why someone may not feel well. Unless he had a reason to believe that she had COVID-19, I don't think it was irresponsible of him to fill out a form and go to work. If he should have known that she had COVID-19, she she was interacting with someone that had COVID-19, and then she started feeling well, uh, not well, despite that he goes to work, that's irresponsible. That's not what happened here. It took them by surprise. So I think this is not cause. I think he's owed severance. Now, obviously, you are, you have to be responsible. You have to be, if you know that you, you, you may have been exposed to the virus or you're with someone that may, uh, may have been exposed, you shouldn't go to work. You should tell your employer. You should be honest. But it's not a perfect system. If you, yeah. in good faith, don't know and it turns out later you were exposed, that's not cause. You can't be let go for that. So in his situation, I'm going to help him get his severance. But certainly these types of questions, John, I've been getting asked more more and more often these days. Uh, it's a new world. It's a new situation. And, you know, we have to make our, our best decisions based on what we know. Let's grab another call before we uh, we take a break. Robert, thanks for standing by. Good evening. How are you? Good, good evening, and how are you? Great, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind? I, I have a question. Um, I'm an accountant, and then somebody just told me this the other day, that they just got a recent job for a company in California, and it's all done online, and they're doing the work from Ontario for this company in California. If something happens, would they be governed by the rules of Ontario for uh, for labor? Yeah, that, that's actually kind of, frankly, you know, dumb for the for the uh, California company to do that, because yes, they would be governed by Ontario laws, and they, they if unless they have a business registered here in Ontario, they're probably not even allowed to have employees in Ontario. So mm-hmm. they actually may be acting illegally. But the reality is this. If your, your, your friend there, if he actually physically is working in Ontario, in the province, regardless of where the company is located, the laws of Ontario are going to apply to him, which oh. means many things, including overtime, vacation, and, of course, severance, despite so where the company is located. So how would you enforce it? Then you have to go to California then, right? No, 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 no. They have to come here. Uh, the, our courts here can absolutely uh, impose obligations on the California company. It happens all the time. So no, if he ever had to take legal action, he could do that right here in Ontario, either through the courts here or even through the Ministry of Labor. He does not need to go to California. So it could be all enforceable against the corporate entity in California. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Anything that the labor board here, the Ministry of Labor, or the court issues is a hundred percent enforceable in California. So yes, they would have to comply with it. So that's why I said not very smart for the California company, but from uh, your your friend's perspective, no problem. Okay, thank you very much. 
Thanks, Robert. Good call. Appreciate that. And we'll take a short break, give you some time to arm yourself with a phone as well, and give us a call, 416-870-6400. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime at all, the free website for you, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Two, Employment Law Show continues on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You bet. Call now. That's what you want to do. 416-870-6400. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you just go to employmentlawyer.ca, that is how you'll find uh, links to our long-running TV show as well. You catch that 30-minute uh, televisual feast anytime. <laughs> and again, learn more about employment law anytime you like. Just getting a couple calls lined up here. 416-870-6400. In the meantime, a lot of questions you get recently, Leori. Gave me a list. This is on the phone or email or in person as well. So we're going to get through some of these. For instance, when you give an assessment of someone's severance, how accurate is that assessment? And is it, quote, the law? So before I do that, uh, you know, I, I have to address something, uh, John. So so John Scholes and I are, are big <laughs> fan of an old British show called Faulty Towers. It's the Huge best. fans. And we entertain each other often by, uh, you know, spouting lines from that show. So every <laughs> once in a while, uh, one of us uh, will implement or in, in, in insert a line into what we're saying on the show. John just did by using the term televisual feast. So that's that's that. I had to reveal it, John. Sorry, cat's out of the bag. Uh, but, uh, you know, so that's why that, that term may sound strange. But if you're a fan of Faulty Towers, you're probably you'll chuckling. Get it. <laughs> yeah, you'll get it. For sure. So, but but to, to get going with employment law, uh, so John was asking about, you know, when I give my assessment about severance, is that the mm. law? Well, it absolutely is. This is not about my views or my opinions. They don't matter, right? I don't get to decide what someone is owed. I don't uh, get to make the law. So when I assess severance, whether it's six months, 12 months, 24 months, whatever it is, it's an assessment of what the law provides for a, a person. The way we the law is determined you know, over the past 150 years, hundreds and hundreds of court decisions have implemented a range for people based on their age, their position, and the length of, of their employment. So if I know those factors, if I know how long someone worked and their, their age and the type of job, I can say, here's what courts generally award for someone in that category. Therefore, that is what you're owed. So you can tell me I've been there for 15 years, et cetera. I'll say, yeah, 12 months for you or 18 months or what have you. So it's very important to understand the law is not a week's pay per year of service. It's not two weeks pay per year of service. For most people, it's a lot more than that. I can give you that assessment always easy. You can get it on your own even without me being present. Simply go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We have a severance calculator tool there. That is the law. That is what you're owed. Anything less is a wrongful dismissal. 
By the way, you want to reach out uh, privately and talk to Lior, our member of the team, you can do that, one 821 5900 But here and now, as you know, 416-870-6400. Lots of lines open for you for the remainder of the show this hour. Don't be bashful. Bring your questions on. How about the term taking legal action? That scares people. I mean, uh, people think, you know, do I have to do that against my former employee? Does it mean taking them to court? Do we go right to court with that uh, that expression? That's a very good question. In fact, uh, one of our, our previous callers said that you know he he u- used my services some years ago, and we went to court, uh, and, and he was successful. We didn't actually go to court. Uh, going to court is is a dirty word in the sense that it, it's not something you want to do, and the, thankfully it's rare. And the reason you don't want to go there because it could take a long time. It, it, you know, it's a long process. It's not a fun process. But the reality is, in employment cases. Those are extremely rare. In most cases, we can resolve matters without even formal legal action. We can negotiate back and forth with a letter or two and get it resolved. Even if we have to take legal action, like we did with that gentleman who called us, it matter gets resolved amicably ultimately, usually at a mediation. So what he was referring to was going to a mediation. That's not going to court. We went to, into a meeting with the employer. We sat down for a couple hours. We negotiated a settlement and we went home. So... No, it's not. Taking legal action does not mean going to court. You know, there there are lawyers out there. They'd like to pound their chest and say, oh, I've gone to court 2,000 times. Well, what I say is you failed 2,000 times. <laughs> you did. Yeah, because yeah. if I go to court, it means I've failed. That everything that I know how to do, all my strategies did not work properly, and I had no choice but to go to court. Sometimes you have to. But gosh, if you had to go to court 2,000 times, honestly, you're not a very good lawyer, okay? Mm-hmm. Because our job as lawyers is not to go to court. Our job is to get the best results we can for our clients. So no, you don't have to worry about going to court. In 99.5% of these cases, you can resolve quickly and fast. 416-870-6400 is the way to ask your questions here during the show. Tony, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Good evening, guys. Um I just want to give you my scenario here. Uh, I've been laid off since uh, April 1st, 2020, and I've been uh, temporarily, no, uh, just laid off, and they haven't called me back to work, and they have called some other people back to work, and I just want to know at what time can I ask for my severance? Great question. Excellent question. Tony, is it a non-union job? Yeah, non-union. Okay. So you could ask for your severance now. You could have, in fact, asked for it back in April because a company does not have an automatic right to lay you off temporarily, even if it's because of COVID-19. You can choose to treat that termination, that layoff, I should say, as a termination. So if you want your severance, you can get your severance right now. You really only have two options. Option number one is you can wait to see what the company decides to do. You could be waiting until March 2022. Okay, so for another year. Or you can choose to get your severance. Now, let me try to get you an estimate of how much severance you're owed. How long have you worked there, Tony? 18 years. Okay. And what kind of a job and how old are you? I'm in my 50s and it was a sales job. All right. Well, you're you're probably a a classic month per year uh, employee, meaning right around 18 months Severance is what I would assess you as being owed, 18 months. Now, you say you're in sales, which means there may be a, a commission component, so your, your compensation may go up and down. We would simply look at an average. 
we would do a two or three year average. And if on average you make, I don't know, $80,000, then that's the figure we would use to calculate your severance. So Tony, if you want your severance, I want you to connect with me off air. Uh, I think I see little point to continue waiting when you could be waiting for another year. Uh, let's talk about getting your severance. It's not a complicated process. You've already been off work, you know, for a long time, almost a year now, 10 months. So let's have a chat and let's help you get what you're owed. Can I ask you one more question? Do I you have to be do I have to be actively looking for a job right now? Is that something they can use against me or they can can they say can you prove to us that you've been looking for other work? So if you if you haven't been looking for work up until now, we can get around that. Potentially you would have to start looking uh, starting now, but we can resolve this quickly so it should be really a non-issue. So I wouldn't worry about whether you've been looking or not looking. We can still resolve it and still get you the severance that you wrote. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate that. And uh, I'll give you some contact to uh, to move forward, one 821 5900 Again, one 821 5900 Tony, and help at employmentlawyer.ca. So it's been almost a year since Tony was laid off, so we're working on 10 months plus. Now, his uh, severance, if he uh, chooses to go forward with that, does it stop and end at the beginning of his layoff, or has he accumulated, accrued more time to add to his severance since he's been laid off? So, you know, we, we can we can kind of do it either way in the sense that we can say that by virtue of laying him off in April, mm-hmm. uh, that was a termination. So he's been terminated in April of last year. So that's when seniority goes till then. Or we can say that we were kind of giving you the benefit of the doubt. We were willing to wait until now. Now enough is enough. So we're considering ourselves as being terminated now, which means now he has an extra 10 months of service. So he actually, we actually are able to, to, to do it both ways. And there's pros and cons to doing it that way. Uh, but bottom line is uh, it, it's his decision. So he's in a good position right now, having been uh, laid off and being able to get severance and 18 months, John, is a lot of money that he's owed. Uh, and my fear is that if he chooses to wait another year, gosh, that's a long time, oh, he could be terminated then and he'd be regretting, well, now all I did is wait another year to get the severance I could have had before. It doesn't make sense. 416-870-6400. That's what I'm talking about. Get answers like Tony did right there. Give us a call with the remaining time we got. You still got lots, so uh, still bring it on. 416 870 6400 say you get someone now he's a he's a he's in a sales role tony was so there's a lot of people we've had call um in that type of position you know i know you average out their their earnings and there's other things like car allowance so on and so forth it's not it's not really that difficult but how do you calculate that for someone who's in a very specialized industry maybe where there's you know fewer jobs to be had even if they don't have work so ultimately what we're trying to do when we assess severance is trying to figure out how long should it take this person to find another job, to replace the income that they've lost. So what happens is if you're working in a very unique industry or in this industry where there's not a lot of jobs or not a lot of uh, opportunities, that means it's probably gonna take you longer to find another job than if you were doing something else. That's gonna increase your severance. So for those individuals that work in specialized industries or for industries where there's not a lot of demand right now, that means more severance than others. So the law compensates for that. Well, you're, you're not going to be 
uh, employed as quickly as someone else, so you have to get more compensation. It's like an insurance policy. The best way to look about severance is an insurance policy that, that compensates you for a period of time that would be reasonable for you to find another job. So it's going to take longer to find another job, more severance. Uh, same thing, by the way, if it's a bad economy, like now. Because it's more difficult right now yeah. to find another job, because not as many companies are hiring, that also means more severance. So people actually that are terminated, that lose their job during COVID-19, arguably get more severance than you would when the economy was doing well. So, so, so important to get advice. When you lose your job, you may be owed a lot more than what you realize. Yeah, it's interesting because I was I was just thinking that when you mentioned you know uh, high level position or fiduciaries or, or industry where there's not many jobs available, but if you take someone who's a server at a restaurant or a bar owner, like I mean, they're they're not open. These guys they can't get jobs even if they wanted to go out and get another serving job. They're not allowed to right now. So would that affect them as well? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So usually we would assume, right or wrong, that someone that's a server could find a job fairly quickly. So that means oh yeah, less severance. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not true right now. It's going to be very difficult to find another job. Uh, so that means even if you're in not in a senior position, you're in a more entry-level position, even a kind of a, a minimum wage type of a job, because it's going to take you longer to find another job now, we're dealing with the pandemic, a lot of businesses are closed, that means more severance. 416-870-6400 is the way. Johnny, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Yeah, hi. Um, yeah, I did a, I, how would I did? I did a part-time gig for about 10 years there doing bookkeeping for a restaurant supply company. And, um, you know, I was let laid off and then they, um, you know, I have no contact there. The phone's been disconnected. Um, you know, I, I called the different numbers I drove by. It's, uh, looking very grim. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, They've either gone bankrupt or they're, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. But do I have any recourse? <laughs> it's a loaded question, so, but I'm sure. Yeah, no, no, I, I hear you. So if, in fact, they're formally and properly bankrupt, unfortunately, you don't have much recourse. But if they've stopped operating, you still have recourse. So the first thing to do is to determine if they've been bankrupt. If you reach out to me off air, I can absolutely look into it and, and, and determine if they've been if they've gone bankrupt. I could do a corporate search and find out all the information that we need. If they're not bankrupt, we know exactly through the corporate search, you know, we could find the address of the directors or, or owners of the company if we need to serve them with documents. So yes, we'd be able to get this resolved and after ten years, Johnny, you're gonna you're gonna have significant entitlements even if you've worked part time. So I don't think you should just walk away with this. Let us do some due diligence here. And yeah. if they're not bankrupt, we'll be able to help you. Yeah, but I'm just wondering, I mean, you know, um, what if they, you know, there's no money. There's no no assets. You know, yeah, so I you know, know the saying, right? The you problem. can't get blood from a stone, right? You, you know that saying. So yeah. that, that applies. It was, to, a, it was a corporation. I know that, so... So that, that applies here as well. But just because someone is shut down, that you can't assume that there's no assets. You can't assume that there's no, you know, they don't have accounts receivable, uh, that they don't own things. So stopping to operate doesn't mean that they don't have, you know, bank accounts and, and, and other assets as well. So oh, something to get that some, okay. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and we won't know until we actually get into it. But to your point, if there's actually nothing there, then again, you can't get blood from a stone. But what I'm saying is you can't assume that. 
Okay, especially now when there's potentially, you know, 8, 10, 12 months of pay for you at stake here. I think it's worth some due diligence. Johnny, you want to reach out uh, when we're not doing the show uh, anytime? one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the way to reach out. So you got someone who's got an employment contract and it's, you know, they're not allowed to compete, you know, non-compete for their with their employer for... 12 months, they're not allowed to uh, to go anywhere else and do work. Does that mean they should get at least 12 months severance? How does that work? So non-competes, you know, obviously those are terms that are problematic because they may prevent you if you sign a non-compete to work in the industry, to work uh, in, in, in a certain field for a long period of time. It could be six months, 12 months, two years. Now, the reality is that many of them are not enforceable but it, it doesn't really matter if they are or not because if your old company tries to enforce them, it still can make your life very miserable. So you always have to take these seriously. And I'm asked very often, well, if I can't compete for a year, does that mean that I have to get severance for a year? Well, no, not necessarily, but it could impact your severance entitlements. If, in fact, it's we talked earlier about finding another job. And if it's more difficult to find another job, you get more severance. Well, if your non-compete is going to make it more difficult for you to find another job, then yes, it could increase your severance. That doesn't mean you automatically get a year's pay. Well, by the way, you could get more than a year's pay, but it could be a factor that impacts your severance. If your entire career, you've worked in a particular industry, so that's all your resume kind of says, and now you can't work in that industry for a year, well, you'd have a very strong case to say, I should get a lot of severance here because I can't work somewhere else. Yeah. So this is yet another reason why it's so, so important to get advice when you lose your job. Don't. It's, it's so uh, unrealistic and it's so wrong to think, well, it's a week per year of service. There are so many factors that can impact your severance uh, that, that this whole idea of a week per year of service is frankly ridiculous. So you lose your job. We need to look at a number of factors, including a non-compete, including the state of the economy, your employability, even your health. All those are factors that can impact severance and increase it significantly. You know, we were talking about somebody uh, losing their job in a, in a sales position, and there's you know there's often you know fringe benefits to that or things that go along with that position, not just the commissions and the job, but. I mean, a company car for one. If you're let go, chances are the car's not going with you. So how do you handle that one? So a company car. So remember the, the general rule when it comes to severance, and that is the company has to put you in the same financial position as if you had continued working. So that means they have to give you your salary. They have to continue your benefits. They have to uh, pay your bonuses or commissions that you would have expected to earn. And the same thing happens with the car. So with the car, there's really two options. Let's say, first of all, if you have a car allowance, if you're, let's say if your employer pays you, I don't know, 1000 bucks a month is a car allowance. And if your severance is 12 months, they have to give you 12 months of car allowance. Easy. It's as simple as that. They have to do that. But some employees have a car. They actually get use of a car. So there's two options the employer has. Either they can let you keep the car for the severance period, six months, 12 months, whatever it is, or they can take the car, but then they have to pay you an additional amount that you could use if you want to lease a car, lease a similar car. So if you were driving a car, you know, that's worth, I don't know, $500 a month as an example, well, they, there's $500 a month additional that they'd have to pay you that you could use if you want to lease a car. But the value of the car has to be accounted for 
in your severance. It's not just your salary. It's not just your benefits. It's all components of compensation. So if you have a car or a car allowance, that has to be included. By the way, some some employees, especially you know superintendents, part of their compensation is they get to live in an yeah. apartment rent-free. Well, that's part of their compensation. So that has to be accounted for as part of their severance. Either their employer lets them stay in the apartment for the severance period, or they pay them an additional amount of money that the person can use to rent a similar apartment. So again, all components of compensation have to be accounted for in your severance. You know, we, we know that an employer uh, does not have to pay severance if the employee did something terrible that amounts to just cause so they can let them go without severance. Now, if the employer finds out that the employee did do something bad, what should that employer do? What are the steps taken? So first of all, the question is, how bad was it? Right. You know, is it bad that the employee was stealing or is it bad as in the employee was late? Well, obviously, if it's stealing or sexual assault or anything bad like that, the employer should terminate employment for cause. Can't, they can do that legally. There's no problem. So long as, of course, they, they're, they're, uh, they know that the employee did it. But most cases are not that. Most cases are not theft. If there's other types of misconduct, the employer is expected to provide warnings, to give an opportunity for the employee to, to improve uh, their performance. Maybe if the employee is late, give them a warning. Can't be late. Got to come on time. If they continue doing that, maybe give a second warning. Maybe then consider a final warning. If it still happens, maybe. Maybe then you're in a position to terminate for cause. Bottom line is you can't jump the queue here. You can't go from nothing to a termination for cause unless what the employee did is awful. You have to build that case gradually. You have to provide warnings. In most cases, if the employee simply does something wrong and then the company says, oh, gosh, you did something wrong, we're letting you go for cause. That's not going to be cause. It's going to be a wrongful dismissal. It takes work, p- preparation, and, and, and effort to build up a case for cause. And if the employer doesn't do the work, they're not going to be able to terminate for cause. A couple minutes to go. You want to slide in a call. You want to make it in the next 30 seconds uh, for sure if we got time to take you. Um, you know, an employee wants to be let go. They don't like the job situation. They want to leave with severance, right? Can they ask for it? Do they have any chance of that working? In some situations, yes. Uh, you know, nothing's stopping you from saying, listen, I, I, I'd consider leaving if you pay me severance. What you want to do, though, is not say, I'm leaving, goodbye, by the way, pay me severance. At that <laughs> point, there's no motivation for the employer to pay you severance if you're leaving anyway. But if the company, for example, was thinking, you know what, we're going to let Bob go any, in, in the near future anyway. Bob says he's willing to leave now. Well, let's talk to him about severance right now. So there's no downside in approaching your employer about severance as long as you're not quitting to say listen i'll consider a move or you know if you want to make a change i'm open to it let's sit down and talk about what that's going to look like that's okay there's nothing wrong with that but don't it just makes no sense to go okay today's my last day i'm leaving by the way how much severance are you paying me (laughs) not going to happen no point but i've had a lot of success with employees that have approached their employers respectfully talked about the idea of severance, and in fact, we're able to, to negotiate proper severance either with or without my help. Nothing wrong in trying to do that. I guess some of the fears people say, you know, they, if they plant that idea in the employer's head, they're going to put their own head on the chopping block. But I guess, you know, that's unless they want to, they don't really, <laughs> really care at that point, right? Right. If you're already thinking about leaving, it's probably not a big deal, right? So uh, if, if, if that's the situation, there's not no, no risk, obviously. Uh, and if the employer wants to let you go in the future, again, they'll have to pay you severance. So uh, you're, you're not going to lose severance by asking for it. So nothing to worry there. 
Going to wrap it up for tonight. Thanks for all the calls and correspondence. Love having you on the show. We'll pick it up again on the weekend. In the meantime, you want to get a hold of your simple one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website we talk about all the time. It's like having an employment lawyer with you on whatever desi- device you choose, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next time. Don't uh, go around. Don't go anywhere. On Point continues. Alex Pearson's coming right back on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.